welcome to the JDF1 podcast. Well, Lewis Hamilton finally got a win in 2018, but you know what? It wouldn't have been the way he wanted to win because this was a crazy race. Three different drivers could have got the win in the end, but it was Lewis who was standing on top of the podium. So let's get into how it all unfolded, shall we? Hamilton, he's he's had to wait a little while uh, in 2018 to win a Formula One Grand Prix, but it finally happened in Azerbaijan. Uh, the Baku Street Circuit uh, paid host to another slightly chaotic race in Formula One. Its very first year, the drivers were very sensible indeed. Back in 2016, last year we had a chaotic race, and again 2018 we had another chaotic race. Lots of incidents going on up and down the track, and uh, in fact we had Lewis Hamilton win his first race. So before we get into it, was it worth watching this race? Well, as you can tell by what I just said, absolutely it's worth tuning in to the highlights of this Grand Prix. It was not interesting maybe from a finesse point of view it was an interesting race because drivers were crashing into each other and into the barriers and yet yet again we had a safety car interject to make the 2018 formula one season more interesting than perhaps it deserved to be so far based purely on the uh, the abilities of the cars to follow each other, which is another topic we'll get into a little later in the podcast. News from the FIA and FOM that they've pushed, pushed through new aerodynamic changes for 2019. And of course, it's the Spanish Grand Prix just around the corner. So yes, you need to watch a replay of this race. Um, thankfully, FOM are doing a marvellous job now of actually sharing... Uh, nice sort of highlights packages online. You can find them on Facebook and Twitter on the Formula One website, uh, which is a great little fun way to catch up with the action if you happen to miss the race. And there were lots and lots of incidents to follow here. Um, As I said in the intro, three different people could have won this race at different stages. Um, Lewis ended up victorious in the end, and you'd have to say he was the least likely going into the race, considering his... uh, Again, slightly mediocre grid position and uh, a not-so-inspiring drive. He's clearly not quite on top of the car at the moment. The Mercedes car in 2018, also a bit of a diva like the 2017 car. Uh, But Ferrari, you know, Ferrari were the fastest cars in qualifying and they looked very good from the front. Of course, Kimi Raikkonen will be ruining that mistake he made into the final turn on his final Q3 run. He was two and a half tenths up on Sebastian Vettel, and he just, I'm not sure what happened, he may have got a gust of wind, or he booted the throttle, and the back end stepped out, and he lost about a second, which um, pushed him right back, um, which was a great shame. He should have been on pole position for this race. It should have been the Ferraris on the front row, but that's not how it started. But Sebastian Vettel, on pole, got away, and he was controlling the race um, from the early on. Kimi Raikkonen, obviously looking to uh, make up for uh, lost ground, uh, got into a tangle with Esteban Ocon at turn three, just on the very first lap. Uh, the Force India was very fast starting, but Esteban Ocon has a fantastic finishing record in Formula One as well, um, and very rarely retires from races, uh, both in Formula One and in junior Formula when he was racing in those. Um, but he did not last more than a lap 
in Baku, unfortunately, as Kimi, uh, having been mugged a little bit um, at the start, tried to lunge back past Esteban. They got into a tangle, and uh, Esteban ended up in the barrier. Uh, Kimi sustained some damage, and he had to pit. Fortunately for him, a safety car came out, uh, because there was that was not the only incident on the first lap. There was a very scary incident further back, as that was occurring, uh, on the ma on the second major straight after turn two, we had Fernando Alonso and Sergio Sorokin and Carlos Sainz, I believe, from the Renault, um, all came together in a bit of a scary moment. They sort of locked horns almost um, at high speed, sort of squeezing together. Fortunately, somehow they all managed to be pointing in the same direction. Uh, Sorokin unfortunately suffered terminal damage and was out. Uh, Sainz was okay, but uh, Fernando Alonso. Uh, had a double puncture and a lot of floor damage, but somehow managed to get the car back round and into the pits and uh, drove another mighty race from there. Um, despite the damage to his car, he ended up uh, through some good fortune, of course, as McLaren seemed to have had so far this year, and uh, getting another seventh place for, uh, for McLaren. So very well done to Fernando. Once again, a fantastic drive. But the real story of this race, beyond the who won and some of the other midfield drivers. The real story was the Red Bulls of Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo. They made en fantastic entertainments in this race. They really did. They were ding-donging through the entire race. Max was ahead of Danny Rick, uh, but he didn't seem quite as quick. He didn't seem quite as happy on the tyres, um, and we know how prolific Danny Rick is at overtaking and he was trying every which way to get past Max and Max was being extremely aggressive at defending his position really aggressive uh, it was you know it was borderline and for those of you out there who are not big fans of Max Verstappen you wouldn't have approved I'm sure of the, his uh, his approach to keeping his teammate behind but all credit to Red Bull for allowing their drivers to go at it and race uh, throughout because I can't imagine any of the other top teams would allow such a scenario where the, both their drivers were coming so close to crashing. But of course, we know the golden rule is you do not crash into your teammate. Well, uh, it was all fine for most of the race, but literally about 10 laps before the end, 10, 12 laps, I'm not sure exactly how many, uh, they did unfortunately come together. Um, yet again, uh, just by, as an aside here, the, the main straight Azerbaijan, it's ridiculously long. I believe it's 2.2 kilometers. It's a crazy long straight, the longest on the calendar. And uh, the closing speeds, that the, the speeds the cars are doing at the end of that straight are pretty, you know, pretty crazy. We're talking about 300 and anywhere between 330 to probably 340, 40 plus uh, kph, which for those of you who don't uh, thinking kilometers like myself uh, I guess that's more kind of around somewhere between 200 to 215 miles per hour um, that's better that makes sense in my mind uh, so it's very quick and of course with the DRS um, the closing speed is very fast indeed and that's what happened Danny Rick lined Max up very well going into turn one and uh, Max made a move to the inside to block Danny, but then just slightly made a second move. Now, for the, those of you who are not familiar, you're not allowed to make a second move in Formula One. Uh, that's considered to be a no-no in terms of driver etiquette. Uh, you're allowed to make one move to defend, and you have to stick with that. Now, Max did make a bit of a second move, not majorly, but it was it was significant enough to make it more difficult for Danny Rick to avoid 
uh, a collision. Unfortunately, Danny wasn't able to avoid a collision because he also made a mistake in that he just got a bit caught between two stalls. He braked a bit late, and because of the dirty air effect behind the cars, according to Ross Braun, this is, his car would have gone a bit light, uh, the front end would have gone light, and it would have made it harder for him to brake. He really slammed on the brakes, locked his wheels, and just careened into the back of Max, and they both went off into the uh, runoff area, turn one, and that was the end of the Red Bulls in this race. It, 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 it's got to be a really tough time for the likes of Christian Horner and Helmut Marco right now, because Red Bull have got a fantastic car in 2018. They've got, in my opinion, they've got the best car on the grid. They don't have the fastest engine, so they weren't challenging for the race victory in Azerbaijan because the, you simply have to have that top peak speed, um, which the Renault engine just isn't quite capable of producing at the level of the Ferrari and the Mercedes yet, but it's not too far off. In this race, it was really exaggerated, the difference between those those uh, those engines. So the Rebels weren't challenging for victory here, per se. They were close to it. I mean, who knows what Danny Rick could have done if he got ahead of Max successfully. But you've got to be frustrated, back to the point. You've got to be frustrated if you're, um, you know, uh, in charge at Red Bull because you know you've got a great car. Um, but, and of course, you've won a race with Danny Rick so far this year. But Max has made so many sort of niggling mistakes, you know, impatient mistakes. That's really hurting uh, the team and hurting them in the Constructors' Championship. They, I mean, they're still, you know, still third, but they, they should really be challenging towards the top of the Constructors. So races coming up, like the Spanish Grand Prix, the next race will certainly suit Red Bull better. You might even put them favourites, in fact, um, for that race. We'll talk about Spain in a bit. But um, yes, this race really was defined, I think, by the, the crash between the two Red Bulls. Who was at fault? That's the real question. That's the question everyone's asking. It, the stewards decided it was a bit of six of one, half a dozen of the other. They decided both were at fault. They didn't uh, apportion any penalties, which I think is a very good thing. It's good to see uh, the stewards being more hands-off in these situations and appreciating it's just racing. Um, and to be fair to Danny Rick and Max, they both kind of accepted accepted responsibility. They both accepted they did things wrong. They didn't get into a big bust-up about it. They've said, look, we, we, we screwed up. We need to move on. And that's that. In my opinion, I think it was probably... I think it was probably slightly more Danny Rick's fault because at the end of the day, he did lock up and go into the back of his teammate. But he may not have done that had Max not have moved to the right, having already moved to the left in the braking zone. I mean, again, it was only a slight move to the right, just a little. Um, so I wouldn't blame Max too much. So really, what I'm saying is is that I think both were to blame. However, if you had to pick one, if you just had to pick one to blame, I think it would have to be Danny Rick. So that was the Red Bulls. That was the end of their race. Very, very unfortunate. Um, there were various other incidents throughout the race, uh, cars tripping over each other. Um, and of course the safety car. And the other the big factor in this race that was really unfortunate was the fate of Valtteri Bottas. Um, I was quite critical of Valtteri at, at the beginning of the season, especially after uh, Australia when he crashed out in qualifying. Uh, but you know what? Since then he's picked himself up. He's been extremely consistent. He's been the lead Mercedes driver, which is very unusual when you're talking about Lewis Hamilton in the other car. He has been the lead Mercedes driver, and um, he deserved to win this race um, after the safety cars and cars various. Uh, after the Red Bull incident, the safety car came out again to clean up the track, 
and uh, various people of course pit in and take advantage of the safety car um, as has happened a few times this season already and um, Valtteri Bottas managed to emerge ahead of Sebastian Vettel Vettel having controlled the vast majority of the race and looked like he was going to win all the way um, and then at the restart Sebastian made a, a damn dare move into turn one to try and get past Valtteri um, but locked his wheel and went off and uh, rejoined with a flat spotted tyre Still managed to bring home the car in fourth position. Um, couldn't hang on to a podium, unfortunately. Um, Sergio Perez, the one surviving Force India driver, managed to get onto uh, the podium, which is uh, fantastic for him. Great for the team to see them improving. They've got, they have a very low drag car concept they had for many, many years, Force India, so this track really suited them. And Sergio Perez is very good at picking up results in these sort of uh, skirmish sort of Grand Prix when there's lots of uh, lots of accidents he seems to pick his way through very well so Sebastian like I said should have won but it was Valtteri who was then in the lead because of Seb's botched move and um, attempting to retake the lead after the safety car and you thought wow well, okay Valtteri there's only a few laps to go Valtteri's gonna gonna win this easily but unfortunately Valtteri actually tripped over a piece of debris on the home straight um, really unlucky, really unlucky. I mean, no one had really seen it at all. I mean, this is happening quite a lot at the moment, and it's something that really concerns me is the amount of, of debris coming off the cars um, in Formula One at the moment. It's, it, it's quite worrying because it's dangerous, not only for the drivers um, in terms of pieces being flicked up and maybe hitting the drivers in the head. The Halo device, of course, might help a little bit uh, to protect them from that, but also it's the crowd I'm worried about. At the Bahrain Grand Prix, Roman Grosjean was losing parts of his uh, his barge boards, and, uh, and there's, there's sort of uh, side pod turning vanes. Uh, they were and they were flying into the fence at very high velocity. So if any of those pieces had gone over the fence, they could have clattered into somebody and really, really hurt them. So uh, that's a big concern to me. Um, so it's you know it's not unusual what we're seeing at the moment. These pieces coming off cars have been left on the track, and unfortunately for Valtteri, he went straight over on these pieces and um, and cut his tire, and that was that. Couldn't finish, and he was out of the race just with a few laps to go. So that was very unfortunate. And Lewis then found himself in the position of inheriting the Grand Prix win. You'd have to say to Lewis, um, I think he deserved a victory. You know he deserved he he deserved the victory in Australia. You know, he drove a dominant race and he was caught out by the virtual safety car there. And he drove a spectacular uh, qualifying lap to get pole position in Australia. So you could say he was owed a race victory, um, which he got back in Baku. So, you know, um, kudos for Lewis. Um, but he, you know, it, Lewis was very classy actually about it. He wasn't celebrating too much. And apparently, straight after getting out of the car, he went straight over to see Valtteri to, you know, give him his condolences before going up to the podium and I think that's very classy and that's recognising who was the better man on the day and who deserved to win and like I said very very unlucky for Valtteri he's been driving very well since Australia and he really does deserve to get a victory um, if he carries on as he as he is he's going to and luckily for Lewis he's had less pressure on himself on his own shoulders because Valtteri has been unfortunate in a few incidents now to get more of the spotlight um, he certainly has deserved more of the spotlight and he's certainly more on top of the car in general um, but the Spanish Grand Prix the Grand Prix coming up in just a few days is a chance uh, of a reset for everybody so wrapping up the Azerbaijan Grand Prix it was an excellent Grand Prix to watch in terms of the turmoil that was created and it was unpredictable um, and we love unpredictability 
The one last thing I will um, say, two things I'll say about Ashan Bajan, my my pick of the best driver of the day, and the worst driver. Um, well, I'm going to pick, I know I'm biased because he's my favourite, but I'm going to pick Fernando Alonso as my driver of the day in Azerbaijan, simply for his pure determination to get that car that was badly damaged right at the start, even get it back into the pits, because it had, it had a double tyre deflation on one side. I can't remember if it was the right or left side, actually, but a double tyre deflation, which meant it was incredibly difficult to steer. I mean, he actually sort of crashed into the wall slightly as he was coming into the pits. And in fact, the team have said that they didn't even think he'd make it into the pit box because they didn't think he could turn. Um, but somehow he managed to get it in, um, such as the determination of the man. And they put new tyres on. He managed to complete the race and make some overtakes and finish well and actually finish ahead of his teammates, um, despite losing many points of downforce and having a, a difficult car. Uh, because of all the damage that had been done. So, Fernando, my driver of the day for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Um, another mighty drive from the uh, the formidable double world champion. As for my wooden spoon award, as I might call it, um, for the worst driver of the day, I think that has to go to Roman Grosjean. Uh, I like Roman, but he does seem to be consistently having a lot of problems in this house car, and has done for a good while. He seems never to be happy on the brakes. They're always changing um, between Brembo and Carbon Industry brakes for him. He's never happy with the with the braking system. And we know the house is tricky in that situation, but uh, Kevin Magnussen seems to have gone on top of it pretty well. So it's, you know, it's more probably to do with Roman's driving style and his approach. But he's really struggled and he's not qualified as well as his teammate for the most part this year. And he... Yeah, the, the most bizarre incident that I've seen for a, a little while in Formula One was him managing to crash behind the safety car. The safety car, towards the end, after the Red Bull incident, and we're expecting him to come in soon, and Roman somehow managed to, while trying to keep his tyres warm and get them in the window, uh, managed to spin into the wall and crash his car. Uh, it was very embarrassing to see. Um, I think he said he maybe. I think he said he he flicked a switch on the steering wheel and put him in the wrong setting. And that uh, meant that uh, he careened into the wall um, because he booted the throttle to try and get some heat into the rear tyres and it was in the wrong mode, so it, it moved a lot quicker than he thought and stepped out, whatever. So, you know, whether that's true or not, or whether he's just saying that to cover himself, who knows? Only Roman and Haas Formula 1 team know this, but it really didn't bode well and it didn't make him look good at all. Anyone who's uh, in, you know, in the market for drivers right now, I think are probably not looking at Roman Grosjean. <laughs> Um, which is sad to say because he's clearly got speed and talent and when everything aligns he is extremely quick and extremely good but uh, too often he struggles and and he's also a real moaner on the radio and no one likes a moaner so there you go that was the uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix yet again another Grand Prix that was made more interesting by tyre uh, management as well it's just worth pointing out um, Pirelli are doing a great job this year in producing compounds that are difficult to get operating in the right temperature window of course Baku was at a different time of year this year it's been in the summer before it was a spring race this year so temperatures were different conditions were different it was very windy and that was another big factor in the race and that did catch people out did catch out of course Nico Hulkenberg um, very unfortunately he was driving a great race and probably would have been on for a podium his very first podium can you can you uh, uh, can you believe it? You know he's never actually had a podium, but um, he managed to get caught out and uh, 
spin into the wall. So it was a tricky race and the tyres are still proving to be very tricky and uh, this bodes well for the rest of the season. So moving on, uh, the piece of news uh, to come out of Formula One, and you'll see articles on the JDF1 blog, jdf1.tv, and I've written about this. The aerodynamic changes for 2019. This is an exciting development um, on a couple of fronts for Formula One. Um, in case you don't know, uh, the FIA, after the Australian Grand Prix, was, was a bit of a procession, not much overtaking, despite there being a third DRS zone. We saw virtually no overtaking. Uh, decided something needed to be done. Uh, John Toad himself um, said he wanted something done uh, to improve overtaking. Um, Formula One management, Liberty, have been undertaking their own research into improving overtaking in Formula One for some time now. And together with um, the FIA's own people, they put together some re their research uh, so far to date. And uh, they came up with the part of the solution i mean there's a whole big raft of changes going to come in for 2021 but one of the the uh, areas they they identified they could improve upon sooner than 2021 would be the front wing end plates on the cars and these end plates when they have these little uh, winglets that push the air outside of the front tire and the air goes round the sides of the car down the sides of the car and then spirals down towards the diffuser in the rear wing helping to seal the diffuser and producing more downforce when these sort of outwashing uh, end plates were introduced in the 2009 season and if those of you who've been watching Formula 1 long enough will remember 2009 was the first year of another major aerodynamic change uh, which, saw, which saw lots of the sort of extremities of, of aerodynamics taken off the cars at the end of 2008 um, this effect was first properly employed then because that's when these big wide front wings came in um, into the sport and this outwash effect was employed and the result of this outwash is dirty air, very dirty air that is created at the back of the car. So it has been identified by this modern research that the outwash effect is the biggest contributor or one of the biggest contributors to the dirty air effect which makes it hard for the cars to follow each other on track. So having said all that mouthful, um, the plan is to effectively try and try to outlaw this outwashing effect by changing the design of the front wings for next year to make them uh, a bit narrower, make the main planes wider, and to change the end plates so they cannot be designed to push air outside of the front tyres. So the, the only other way to do it would be design it with an inwash effect, um, thus eliminating a lot of this dirty air that's created at the back. One of the other changes uh, proposed was a wider rear wing with a larger uh, main element, to make the DRS more powerful as well, just to help um, with overtaking, which is an artificial aid, of course, but it's here to stay for now. You know, hopefully it won't need, be needed in a few years when the cars are designed overall in a, a more f uh, benign aerodynamic way, but uh, it is here for now. So those were the changes proposed, and they were proposed at the very last minute, and it would take a unanimous, uh, no, sorry, not a unanimous, it would take a majority vote by the strategy group before April the 30th for all for rule changes to be made for 2019. Any Anything beyond April the 30th and it needs a unanimous vote by the strategy group because it's considered to be too late in the year to because it would be affecting next year's uh, car design too much if, uh, if you introduced it later. So that's why you need a unanimous uh, vote after that. And of course, changes very rarely uh, get unanimous uh, agreement. So... It was a last-minute thing. It had to be pushed through quickly. 
the teams would talk uh, they, they would talk to about it they were shown the proposals initially and uh, they went away did their own research and their own research came back with the same conclusions and um, what needed to happen for the majority to pass would be the four teams would need to put their uh, would need to vote for the change um, in the strategy group meeting and along with the FIA and FOM and their various sponsors and what have you who have a vote they needed four teams in order to get a majority uh, vote and they managed to do it they got four teams um, much to everyone's surprise I mean a lot of the teams were really opposed to this and teams are often very op opposed to major changes uh, in a short space of time for a variety of reasons they want to protect their their interests and want to protect their position if they feel they've got a good front wing design let's say they want to protect that they also want to protect their investment they don't want to feel as if they're throwing away millions and millions of pounds that they've spent on little winglets and what have you. Um, they're also protecting their interests in terms of the number of aerodynamicists they employ. Um, the big teams employ hundreds and hundreds of people. Some of these people are responsible for the tiniest little developments on the cars. So those are all the reasons why majority, the majority of the teams would be opposed, and they were. However, Williams, Force India, Sauber, and Mercedes... Um, reigning champions Mercedes uh, all voted in favour of the change I don't know exactly why I mean, I'm presuming they were sort of convinced that the bigger picture benefits that would come uh, from voting for the change uh, Williams were the only public proponents of it before the vote so, um, so it was surprising the other teams came on board but it was good and it meant that uh, we've got these changes for next year which should hopefully mean um, from the scientific perspective that the cars should find it easier to follow each other on track uh, whether that will really happen or not, we'll only know when we get there. Um, the idea was the same with the 2009 rule changes, and that didn't happen because what was not anticipated was these outwash uh, end plates that were then brought in by the teams. So, you know, there might be some other uh, trick or loophole or something that the teams exploit to get back the downforce and then create dirty air in other ways. That's entirely possible. But the good news is is that this is a positive step for Formula 1, only technically it's going in the right technical direction because the, car, the cars will still be ridiculously fast, um, but they won't be as hard to follow each other as they are right now. So that's a great thing. But the other great thing is that it shows that the FIA and FOM, Liberty, are working together as one. They are, they are combining their, their, their interests and their research and they're making positive changes to Formula One so um, so this is a great start you know and normally the teams get their way in blocking such innovations when they're proposed in this case they didn't so um, so all kudos to FOM to the FIA and even Mr. Jean Toad the president himself so the Spanish Grand Prix that's coming up this weekend and uh, it's the first European proper European race I should say um, Azerbaijan uh, is technically partly in Europe and partly in Asia um, I'm not actually sure whether Baku is in Asia or in Europe um, answers on a postcard please or you know even better answers in comments on the jdf1.tv website because uh, I honestly don't know and in fact there was a debate in the Sky Sports commentary box as to whether it was or it wasn't and we still couldn't quite work it out when, when they were talking about it so um, yes the Spanish Grand Prix the first proper European Grand Prix of the season and that usually means there's big big updates on the horizon for all the teams they all 
it, it's it's been the way for many years now um, that this race, since Imola, Imola's demise in tw in two thousand six, it's been the first major European race. So, and because of Barcelona is very easy to get to, and because most of the teams are based in Europe and in England, you know, it's only a couple hour flight from uh, from England. Um, and of course, you know, you've had all these big long long haul fly flyaway uh, races to start off with. It's the first chance to make some big significant changes to the cars. So we will see a lot of big significant changes coming this weekend. Um, to the cars, I'm sure. Whether they're really obvious visually, um, it depends how eagle-eyed you are, how technically minded you are, but there will be major uh, changes and updates. Uh, McLaren have been promising major, major improvements uh, to their car. In fact, Eric, Eric Boulier went as far as to say that the, the real 2018 McLaren car would turn up at, in Spain. And for those who are McLaren fans, I'm sure you'll be really hoping that's the case. But of course, even if there are significant improvements made to that car, which at the moment is, you know, particularly slow in qualifying for whatever reason, not sure exactly why, um, it doesn't mean they're going to shoot up the grid because um, all the teams bring updates to their cars, even if they find an extra few tenths or half a second or three quarters of a second. If everyone else has found half a second or, you know, at least 40, 50 percent of what they found, then you still don't get very far. You've got to find a lot more than everyone else. I think for McLaren fans out there, they'll be hoping that whatever they've found is some fundamental, they've corrected some fundamental miscal you know, miscalculation with the car or some fundamental reliability issue that's been holding them back, like the overheating issues they had in pre-season testing. Let's say they can get on top of those and then suddenly they can run the engine more efficiently or maybe the aero is more efficient as a result and who knows, it might make a big jump. We don't know. But um, well, I think going into the Spanish Grand Prix, I think it's fair to say that Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull are all very evenly matched and they all have you know, different cars, different philosophies there. And it's very exciting for Formula One. We're in a situation where any of those, those three teams could be victorious in Spain. I think Red Bull are in a very good uh, position. Um, they don't have the top speed of Ferrari or Mercedes, but it's not vital. Um, at the circuit to Catalonia because it doesn't have a ridiculously long straight anywhere and that third sector which is quite tricky and uh, the tricky chicane onto the main back onto the main straight that's the kind of area where Red Bull are probably going to be best as they have seemingly seemingly the, the most well-balanced car and the best chassis so um so I think Red Bull could be favorites this weekend assuming they don't trip over each other that's the big assumption uh, but quite frankly you could put your money on any of Max Verstappen, Daniel Ricciardo, Kimi Raikkonen, Sebastian Vettel, Valtteri Bottas or reigning champion Lewis Hamilton you could put it on any of those six and I think you you know you'd have good odds quite frankly and that's great for Formula One we're going into with yeah this has actually been an exciting season and um, anything's possible especially if Renault can bring bigger upgrades to their engines. Uh, we've got to wait for the Canadian Grand Prix in June before we get a chance to see uh, the next big Renault engine upgrade. So hopefully that will move them closer to the sharp end. But uh, until that happens, um, races like Spain will give Red Bull, and of course Monaco, which comes after Spain, will give Red Bull a great chance because they're not so power dependent. In fact, Monaco is probably Red Bull's best opportunity for a while because that is the least power dependent track on the Formula One calendar. So there's plenty to look forward to in Formula One in 2018. Thanks for listening to my podcast yet again. Um, you can find lots more from me on my 
my personal blog, jdf1.tv. You can find articles and opinion pieces and news and all sorts, really. Um, if you enjoy my podcast, please do send me a message and give me feedback. I'd love to hear it. Uh, but until the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend, I'll be writing some more articles to do with that, doing podcast after that. So uh, I can't look, I can't wait. You know, this is great. The European season's here. No getting up in the middle of the night to watch the sessions anymore. It's all a good time of day. The sun is shining outside, and Formula One 2018 is getting more exciting than ever.